don't leave home unarmed. It's a madhouse out there everywhere. Especially in Texas. I cut a cartoon from my New Yorker, my sacred text, the New Yorker magazine, yes. It shows two polar bears. Uh, <laughs> yes, they're riding, they're riding a little piece of ice, you know, a little tiny piece of ice. And uh, there's a baby bear and a big bear, and the baby bear says, Mother, is Rick Perry real? <laughs> I'm going to blow it up and make a poster, yes. Uh, I have a teenage stepson in Texas uh, and lives near Dallas. Oh, God. When I came in today, um, Josh, my helper Josh here, he handed me a cup. says, the United States of Texas. Yes, the United States. Uh, it may be. It may just be. The latest <laughs> madness from Rick Perry. He signed a bill from the Texas legislature. They're going to cut two-thirds of the state's funding, you know, Planned Parenthood. <laughs> oh, yes. Remember the dystopian novel The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood? When that novel was first published long ago, let's see, late 70s, early 80s, I remember trying to teach it to some high school kids, I said, oh, oh, that's just a fantasy, you know. Aha, uh-huh, you know, it's 1984, Brave New World, all those books. I said, uh, American women would never submit to to that, what, medieval, retro, sexual slavery business. I thought that we had gained our freedom once and for all. We had the pill... The political will, all those horrors and close hangers and filthy backroom abortions, all that was blood under the bridge, I thought. Anyway, uh, the projection I heard on the radio this morning was it uh, 20,000 more unwanted pregnancies in Texas next year. That couldn't be the number. Anyway, I'm sure I didn't get it right. God, <laughs> women's women's health and reproductive freedom is threatened all around the globe. Just keep wringing our hands. I don't know. From the crimes in the Congo, where rape is now recognized as a weapon of war. You know, now we... We uh, know the rulers, the killers, say that's the way you destroy a society. And then, of course, all those legal practices, child marriage, um, female genital mutilation, uh, the war on women is a, uh, what is it? It's more than symbols, more than metaphors. What is it? It's a lurch, retro lurch to the right, to medieval patriarchy. You know, that fascist psychology demands the control of women. Uh, He who hath the baby hath the ball. The first thing Adolf Hitler did when he came to power 
was to padlock the birth control clinics. Let's see, that was the year I was born. Was that 1933, I think? Anyway, you know, I, I heard a legislature, legislator this morning say that, yes, no abortion, no birth control, right? Ah, manhood, it is a thing sacred to primate pride. And it is defined by womanhood. You remember those old socialists, um, Lenin and the boys, uh, commies actually, uh, they told us that social progress can be measured by the position of the female sex. Insert here jokes about missionary position and so on. Anyway, I remember years ago saying, well, you know, uh, I just want, I want something to support my life as an artist, you see, and, uh, I don't want social position. Uh, nobody gets it, nobody gets it. Anyway, in Iceland, back, uh, let's see, a few years ago, women were elevated to a remarkable degree. Oh, less than a decade ago, things were just swimming in Iceland. Half the government was female, literally, tops around the world. Um, you know, the other Scandinavian countries doing very well, but then Iceland was top. And uh, the uh, Icelandic social programs gave children all the benefits needed, not just to survive, but to thrive, you know, to make the utopian future, and you know what happened to Iceland. <laughs> and it's happening, happening all over. The money men have got us by the throat. They've got uh, Orwell's black boot on our throat, right? The finance industry, what the poets call Moloch, the money god, Moloch, that's M-O-L-O-C-H, I think, Moloch. Mm -hmm. It's a monetary, uh, monetary divinity, a golden calf. Actually, calf or cow is supposed to represent something feminine, but actually... I think that uh, it's all about the gold. When I was growing up in the 50s, they called it materialism. Materialism, yes. Got that uh, uh, merchandising major in my college. I just remember that. Right. I don't know why I keep thinking about that. I said, oh, well, some of the young women, they want to, uh, they want to be businesswomen. Businesswomen. I don't know what that was, but uh, uh, today even material goods are beside the point. Uh, I don't know, somehow buying and selling, the buying and selling, the getting and spending, it isn't so much that anymore. Uh, it's about, what is that? It's about buying and selling bodies and souls, wage slavery, yes. It's done with the click of a mouse. We sell, we sell whole nations. The four horsemen of the apocalypse riding hard, yes. <laughs> the world's a woman, where the hell's my saddle? 
Fasten your seatbelts. Boys, gonna be a bumpy century. Oh, dear. I wish I were young and strong and could do battle. I'm one of those. <laughs> Coward, I guess. I like to hide much of the time. Lately, I just go back to bed, turn the electric blanket up to nine, watch the world end on Link TV. That's the international news and C-SPAN. Last night at midnight, I turned on Democracy Now! on KVIE. Sleeping in these days, can't hear it in the morning. Turned it on at midnight. <laughs> then I gave up and just switched to all the nature shows. F. Murray Abraham narrates something on PBS called Clever Monkeys. I love it. I love it. I'm always watching Animal Planet, but Clever Monkeys knocked me out. They seem to be smarter than uh, the uh, great apes, the primates. Uh, I watched the monkeys. They've got something called a piper plant. It's kind of a... Well, think of it as pot. They they use it for an antiseptic. Rub themselves all over with it. Uh, uh-huh. They can use tools. They can kind of fish with... Um, what is it? Uh, they use little little thread silkworms. Yes, they were fishing. Oh, the best thing they they know how to smash the nuts. You know, they just look like they look like people. <laughs> the the, uh, the talent was absolutely awesome. My favorite bit was, oh, what were they? Those black and white uh, colobus monkeys. They eat toxic food and it makes them sick and they just sit there and look miserable. And I thought, oh, that's my problem. They have some cousins, um, sort of the same species, but uh, not, no, not quite the same species, but I think they're the golden colobus, but those monkeys have figured out how to eat charcoal along with the toxic foods and they're happy. You know, charcoal coats the stomach. I guess since the time of man, they found fires, leftover fires in the villages, and they ate the charcoal, and they're happy, and play with their friends, and have a nice positive attitude, and they dance. And uh, uh, I guess that's what we need. Something to improve our digestion. I think that would be the best plan. I remember when Dick Gregory invented something called the Bahamian Diet. Changed my life in the space of a year. I'm back on the the nasty stuff again. I can't resist having a little pizza, Chinese. But yes, that Bahamian Diet, that was the best. Uh, anyway, by two or three o'clock this morning... I was just watching oh, a movie called Oceans and then Winged Migration and then March of the Penguins and the Dolphins. And I thought, oh, the other animals are so beautiful. Maybe, maybe our species has had a turn. Maybe, well... No, we're not allowed, we're not allowed to be negative. <laughs> no, we're supposed to be happy, yes. I made a list of all the things I wanted to share and tell. Kate Winslet won an Emmy for a five-hour HBO version of Mildred Pierce. 
I got to get the book and read it because most people think of that old Joan Crawford uh, murder mystery, the Hollywood picture, Mildred Pierce. I watched that to check it out. Butterfly McQueen was in it. I'd forgotten that. She's so funny. Always talking about how exciting it was the night she got married. You remember, she talked about that in Duel in the Sun. Anyway, you see how I can trip out on a few movies. Kate Winslet's five-hour Mildred Pierce is a fantastic production. It's all about women in the 1930s. Reminded me of my mother and her friends. It's worth a look, but it's long and it's grim. There's no murder, no nothing. Uh, <laughs> it ends with here a kind of a I, I won't quote it because I don't spoil it for you basically a here's mud in your eye you know uh, yes it had a nice grim kind of F. Scott Fitzgerald ending anyway after that I I listened to something over oh, the Jackie tapes I hope you uh, had a chance to uh, look at those I I'll save those for another day. Uh, it seems that Jackie Kennedy, Jackie Bouvier Kennedy Onassis was a human being. We'll talk about that some other time. Then I went all the way weird, bottom of the barrel, and watched a little bit of this comedian called Baron Sasha Cohen. And it is so sick. All I could think of was my my beloved parents, insane as they were, that would have startled them. Baron Sasha Cohen, he's made a new film about a, uh, oh, it's sort of a gay, gay hairdresser. And uh, it is so crazy. It's just, uh, it is definitely not for the children. I don't want anybody to think I, I would recommend it. <laughs> There's one scene where this gay hairdresser, played by Baron Sasha Cohen, he is in a uh, ring, fight ring. They stage this, and uh, he's challenging the straight men, and a straight man jumps in to beat him up. And, of course, they have uh, a love affair right there on the mat up against the ropes. And the audience goes ballistic for a circus. I never laughed. It's disgusting. I do not recommend it. But if you're, uh, if you're in a, what is it, uh, completely completely weird place. You might want to laugh at uh, Baron Sasha Cohen. His movies, um, well, uh, I, I leave it for wiser heads than mine to analyze that stuff. Uh, he has gone where no madman has gone before. Uh, I do want to tell you today about something serious. Uh, it's a movie you can find a review by David Danby in the September 19th New Yorker. That's this year, September 19th, 2011. It's called Contagion. Oh, you, you want a, a scare. You want a real, uh, to call that, they used to call that the tingler. Uh, this movie says when there's real trouble, we're in the hands of the reality-based community. Nothing else matters. Uh, I think maybe a reality sandwich is a good idea. Here's Denby. He says that contagion confronts reality head-on. It's a brief against magical thinking. That sounds like my kind of movie. Anyway, you know these... Uh, movies, the last couple ones I saw, I had to turn off because they scared me so. You know, they just, they like to show, uh, 
erupting flesh and all that stuff. And the truth is that the doctors I listen to have warned us that um, drug-resistant bacteria are a clear and present danger. <laughs> so we better prepare and uh, maybe we better uh, keep in touch with the Center for Disease Control and pay attention. Uh, once again, the movie is Contagion by uh, Stephen Soderbergh. David Denby says that it is brilliant and that, of course, it's the grimmest subject imaginable. A pandemic kills millions of people in a few months. Anyway, it's serious, it's precise, it's frightening, and it's emotionally enveloping. A highly controlled film about an out-of-control event so sure-handed and intelligent that it has an invigorating, even an enlightening quality. See, now, that's the thing. I used to I used to think, people used to say, oh, don't tell me about that stuff, you know, because it's too grim, it's too gloomy. And I said, no, 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 no. Virtue, virtue is skill in action. And this movie is made with skill. It isn't there just to make you sick. It's there to give you, a, what is it, a clue to enlighten you. Uh, anyway... David Denby says that he was relieved because there were no grandstanding speeches except one by a demagogue. Uh, no melodrama. Um, he says, yes, it's a brief against magical thinking. I guess that would be my uh, my heading. No magical thinking here. Uh, the screenwriter is Scott Z. Burns. And Denby says the movie has become an event... In an ongoing political debate over the nature of American life. Yes, this is for culture vultures, uh, harrowing concentration and speed. We see this central character, well, Gwyneth Paltrow is the uh, first person we meet in Hong Kong on a business trip. She has a night out and goes on and on here. She has a pork dish in a restaurant. Anyway, everything she touches turns to you know what. When she sleeps with an old boyfriend, that kind of thing, then she comes back and her husband, uh, Matt Damon, he catches it. Anyway, she suddenly becomes sick and dies. Okay. Encephalitis, meningitis. Anyway. It's a flu-like virus, and, of course, Hong Kong, Chicago, Minneapolis, the virus is spreading everywhere. You remember that guy who took the airplane, the HIV guy? Mm-hmm. That would be the thing most people will connect with. Anyway, we don't figure out until the end of the movie how she got infected, uh... Let's see. I don't think I'm going to tell you any more of that because a lot of people do like to go to the movies and have things surprise them. Uh, the scary part, well, at least according to David Denby, he says the scary part is that she wasn't traipsing around in the jungle. You know, you expect people to pick up diseases in awful places. Uh, she was in Hong Kong. She was in cosmopolitan uh, city, uh, and 
They use the security cameras for footage. That's cute. I like that. Uh, anyway, all the stuff she does is what everybody likes to do, you know, glittering casinos, uh, she's messing around with old boyfriends, all that kind of thing. Uh, the everyday. Yes, that turns into paranoia, the personal and professional meetings. Yes, that's all the stuff that we do. And they become the vehicle of our destruction. Um, there's some funny stuff, but, uh, the picture doesn't look like a disaster movie. It's an international thriller. Steven Sonderberg and the writer, that's, um, Scott Z. Burns, right? They jump all over the world. His earlier movie that I liked, I, some of his pictures I don't like so much, but uh, it's uh, like traffic, you know, that everything's happening at once all over the world. That stuff is kind of frenetic, but it it is it is the now images, right, you know. Um simultaneity, I guess we call that. Uh, anyway, uh, they use the titles, you know, um, I like that stuff, actually, I do that, you know, Day 5, London, England, population, 8.6 million, that kind of thing. I like the statistics there on the screen. Uh, it makes sense to me because I'm lazy and I like to know... Uh, What's going down? I, you know, it looks like, maybe it does look like the internet or something, but uh, I want to know at any given moment what's happening here, there, and everywhere. Uh, anyway, uh, there's stuff, uh, Center for Disease Control, CDC, my favorite, my favorite institution. We get uh, Lawrence Fishburne, he's a little bit, uh, a little bit stodgy. Well, stolid is the word that... David Denby uses the interesting person there is Kate Winslet. Good old Kate Winslet. Uh, uh-huh. She's the uh, she's the vroom vroom character. She's got some edge. She uh, captures the tone of somebody who well, I, I think of it as somebody like me, you know, somebody who's so exasperated by uh, this slow uh, on the uptake folks, you know. Their ignorance almost, almost destroys my patience, yes. Anyway, Denby uh, says she's a woman almost masochistic in her scrupulous sense of duty. Oh, okay. I like that. I was raised with doctors like that. Anyway, there's another actress, Jennifer Eel, E-H-L-E, in the CDC lab, that Center for Disease Control lab. Jennifer E-H-L-E, right, right, she's the daughter of the great Rosemary Harris. She was in Sense and Sensibility with Colin First, remember her? Anyway, she tries to isolate the virus. She wants to create a serum, you know, and all that good stuff. Uh, and uh, David Denby doesn't like her outfit. I like that stuff, you know. Plastic, um, outlandish get-ups. Uh, it says she looks like she was going on a spacewalk or something. Uh, well, 
David Denby says that she's perhaps the most appealing scientist in the history of the movies. Well, I think Madame Curie was pretty good. Who was that? Uh, <laughs> who was that? Uh, oh, Lord. Um, oh, I have forgotten. Who played Madame Curie back in, in the day? Uh, Mrs. Miniver. What the devil was her name? Somebody will call and tell me. I know. Anyway. Her skill in this movie seems a function of her sensitivity. That's it. That's the Buddha, right? Uh, uh-huh. Yes. Uh, virtue is skill in action. Uh, if this is a myth of science, humanized by a female sensibility, it is a pleasing one, says David Denby. Not me, that's David Denby. He says a female sensibility is pleasing. Yes, the myth of science, humanized by a female sensibility, is pleasing. Okay. Anyway, he goes on to explain how it evokes memories of the sense of outrage and helplessness that greeted HIV and Ebola viruses in the 80s and the swine flu scare and all that good stuff. Uh, anyway... Uh, doing this story straight, he says, makes it scarier than any amount of trashy, morbid movie spectacle. Uh, what he gives us is terrifying enough. Anyway, you know, the people just get sweaty and swell up and go into convulsions. Uh, he says that what they do, you know, it's subtle, it's sharp. They drive in the nail with a single blow, a sardonic turn of phrase, pause, or silence that allows us to draw our own conclusion. Anyway, panic engulfs the country. Civil society dissolves. Crowds assault banks and stores. People desperate for a cure attack pharmacies. He says all these episodes are appalling, but they are mercifully brief. That is good. This is good. You know, they give you the information without uh, making you suffer too long. Uh, anyway... Uh, Denby says that contagion is staged with great physical conviction, but without exaggeration, neither overdone nor underdone, blah, blah. I guess he liked it. The slyly malevolent editing is superb. Uh-huh. Anyway, he goes on to talk a little bit about the actors. Uh, looks like the women are the winners in this movie. Uh... He says there's a wonderful wild card, a sore-headed San Francisco blogger played by Jude Law with a raspy voice and bad teeth. Anyway, right, there we go. Some guy, uh-huh, a blogger. <laughs> he could be a heroic truth-teller, a populist champion, or he could be a rancorous loser, cloaking his personal chagrin in left-wing tirades. Oh, one of those guys, right. Uh, his aggressions echo those of 9-11 conspiracy theorists, right. <laughs> As the filmmakers tell it, he could be spreading distrust, and that could be part of the disease. His motives remain a mystery, unless you stay till the end, stay till the end, and you will see. Of course, it's a 9-11 anniversary movie. The film suggests that at any moment our advanced civilization could break down, could be close to the end, exacerbated by precisely that 
which is most advanced in it. <laughs> anyway, oh, Elliot Gould plays a renegade epidemiologist in San Francisco. You don't want to miss that. The best part is nobody prays and nobody calls on God. The people stick to the facts and most of the heroes are employees of the federal government. It believes, it has a passionate belief in science and in rational administration. A movie about accountability. My God, imagine a thing like that. This has been Jennifer Stone. I'll be back on the air next Tuesday at the same time. Until then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. If you want somebody here on Twitwit Radio to insert your Twitwit into the conversation, tweet it now. And whenever you hear this sound, we're speaking your words. I see some Twitwit now. Humber, it's Twitwit Radio. Social media on the air. It's like you get to be the playwrights, only you don't get to write the whole play. You only get to write some of the play. My name is Berkeley Kid, and I'll be keeping score. Sundays at 7 o'clock p.m. And the actors say or sing and make speeches using your tweets. Is it a crime to survive on 98th Street? No, it's a miracle. The main rule is to break every rule for comic effect. Post TwitWit on the topics and targets at kpfa.twitwitradio.com. Responsible anarchy. And 94.1. FM Sunday nights at seven. And you're listening to ninety four point one KPFA, KPFB in Berkeley, and KLCF 